What's up? Nostalgia Pod coming at you. Gonna give you your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. I am Pat Sheehan, Dave Martinson. Dave, let's just jump right into it. You had a busy weekend. I saw Indeed, an, yeah. I saw an Instagram of you holding a gun. Yep. Uh, so do you want to explain this? In the Commonwealth, state of Massachusetts. Greatest Commonwealth in the nation, I'd uh, say. City, mediocre at best. Boston's the best city in the world. Mm, traffic. Uh, it's a maze. Hard to get around there. Yeah. Roads don't make sense. Yeah. It's like a okay. uh, kindergartner had a crayon and he's like, here, let's draw some roads. Or you were just, it was just developed by 18th century Englishmen. Even other than that. Yeah, it was 17th century? James Allen yeah. was 1610. Yeah, like, That's Virginia. So, pretty soon after that, right? Yeah, probably 1660s. Anyways, not, <laughs> not a history podcast, but you were at PAX East. Tell me, like, what stood out to you there? Did you, could see any good talks? Like, what would you Yeah, yeah, so PAX East video game conference. There's three PAXs. PAX South is in Arizona. Yeah, Arizona. PAX West is in Seattle, and PAX East is in Boston, and they're just like little video game shows. They're basically the three biggest shows in the U.S. that's not E3, which is every June. That's where like the big, all the big news comes every year from, right. you know, all the major players. Mm-hmm. But yeah, PAX East is kind of like a more like community-based thing. And I was only there one day, I was only there Saturday, but it was cool. I, I played some games, did some cool VR things, saw some people I knew. Shout out Alex O'Neill. Uh, yeah, it was fun. PAX is getting, it's not as um, big as it used to be because they, uh, PAX West kind of did a little re- reorganizing. So there's not as many uh, like exhibitors were there, like big time ones. So there wasn't like any huge like hammer games this year, but it was a good time. It was fun. I was like going, you know, mean people. Do you, I mean, I, I saw you with the VR goggles on with the gun. Mm-hmm. I saw some of your Snapchats of like different types of games. I mean, what's your sense? Is, there, is gaming really going in the VR direction? I can't imagine that. VR is still like in its consumer infancy right now mm-hmm. because there's three main products. PlayStation VR, which is 400 bucks. Oculus Rift, which is 600 bucks. HTC Vive, which is what I was using, which is 800 bucks. PSVR, all you need is PS4. The other two, you need a high-end gaming PC. So that's like, you know, 1,000 bucks. Right. So it's a very expensive medium to get into, mm-hmm. but it's also very new. So the people that make VR games, making their first game. So we're, everyone's learning together, developers mm-hmm. included. But it, it'll never take over as the like the only way people play games sure but you know as it is an immersive experience there's a lot of really cool things you can art they already do with vr now so i think it, it'll definitely last a lot longer than the motion controlled stuff from like connect and wii and sure. playstation move yeah I, I i just can't imagine seeing kids with goggles on running around their living room right like, well let's think about the, the vibe the htc vibe needs a room like this big of free space. That's right. just how the thing works because there's like uh, sensor cameras, mm-hmm. PSVR, and I think you can have a little smaller room. But there's also the real life application, real world applications outside of gaming that VR mm-hmm. presents. Like you can, like virtual tourism, you could sit courtside in a basketball game. Mm-hmm. Google Earth things already out there. True. So there's a lot of other, uh, VR is not going to go away anytime soon. It's just going on. But it's definitely going to be a slow burn, especially in gaming. Interesting. But it's definitely a cool thing to try out. If you ever see a Microsoft store, they're not as common as Apple stores, but you mm-hmm. can try a Vive there. Oh, okay. Actually, they have Oculuses in Best Buys. I don't know if you can try them. Hmm. But uh, yeah, definitely try and VR is a thing where you really just gotta try it and just kind of experience even one of the basic experiences, not even full games, just kind of having you understand what VR is like to use. You just kind of gotta do it for yourself to understand. Oh, but it's a lot of fun. 
Well, definitely something that, sure, like you said, it will be making its way into the space. We'll, we'll probably be mm-hmm. talking about it more and more. Why don't we talk about some things that are established? Frank Ocean, right. Lord. Oh, established yeah. young <laughs> musicians. So Frank's not that young. Uh, like, was he, 30? Uh, I think he's a little, yeah, he's like late 20s, right? Yeah, something around there. So a little older than Tyler, right? Probably around there. Here, look, I, can, I can look it up real quick. But yeah, Lord dropped her second single, Liability. Liability. She's a liability. And very impressive because this is a fucking piano ballad, man. This yeah. is This isn't no pop radio song like Greenlight. So it's interesting. Uh, she performed on SNL this weekend. Yeah, both songs. Yeah, and Greenlight, she was just up there doing her usual Lord crazy dancing bit. But during Liability, she had Jack Antonoff with her mm. lead singer of bleachers and also co-lead guitarist for the band fun frank ocean by the way is 29 years old yep. so good call on that and it's interesting because i didn't know jack antonoff is producing this with her but it makes a lot more sense why that pop vibe comes in and he even actually tweeting about this the other day how the first time they met they talked about how you can work in different sounds like that and sure. like her first single really incorporates like the way you can get away with a crazy tone shift mm-hmm. the way that that song goes but yeah this one uh, liability sounds a lot more lordish yeah than like pure heroin her first album yeah i mean what did you think of it yeah i mean like it's not like my cup of tea as a mm-hmm. song itself but yeah my takeaway is just that she's not like totally selling out like everyone was afraid of she's not no. taylor swifting her second album because right. she's friends with taylor swift so it's good yeah it's interesting i don't even know i'm like... intrigued for the album oh I'm, I'm definitely intrigued we got a date for her. i think it's in june oh really yeah interesting so she'll be dropping it right before the major festivals other than coachella obviously but that'll right. be Firefly Bonnaroo, maybe Governor's Ball. She drops it really early, or it'll be right after Governor's Ball. Yeah, June 16th. June 16th, so it'll be right after Governor's Ball and right before Bonnaroo, which I think she's performing Bonnaroo as well. Yeah, Um, so she'll be performing the songs everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it's not all out. I wasn't so surprised by Lord Liability. We were expecting to see some singles dropping. Uh, The the album rollout. Yeah, Yeah, Frank Ocean, though? Where did that come from? Yeah, (laughs) I think it's... Uh, Blonde Lucy sounds kind of similar, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see it on the album. I don't think it's better than any of those songs. It's probably why it was cut, but I still think it's a it's a cool track. Frank, there's not a whole lot of Frank music out there, but even By the Book or Middle of the Road, Frank is still intriguing music. No, absolutely. I didn't think this song jumped out to me as a, as a mm-hmm. special Frank song, like you said, but it definitely had some weird parts to it that I think kind of make Frank Ocean Frank Ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's um, playing with the mixing and stuff. That's kind of his trademark, though. I don't know. I, I asked you before we started recording, and you, you seem to think that this is a Lucy. When do you think Frank's going to be dropping more projects? Oh, no time soon. I, I, I don't no, know, though. I, 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 I don't think so. Unless he does, like, an Untitled Unmastered, like Kendrick, which is right. a collection of B-sides and demos. See, the thing is, which I Which fits my Lucy theory. I, I could see him doing something like that, like dropping another album at the end of this year. Because he went so long the last time. He, he you know he has tons of songs. It's not like he wasn't writing and, and of course. making music. Yeah, I think it's one or the other, probably, though. And I think it'd also be interesting. Four years or one year, yeah. you know? I don't know, because I also think Kanye is probably working in some kind of sense. I mean, he's always working. Right. I'm sure Frank is somehow involved in some of that. Chance is probably doing something. I don't know if him and Chance... Oh, yeah, Chance's debut album hasn't come out yet. Let's not forget. It's coming. (laughs) So maybe Frank will be on the debut album. There's people who I know are probably trying to collab with him that are trying to push him. I mean, I'm sure Tyler... Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much they actually collab on anything anymore, but there's got to be people that are pushing him to do it. I don't think it'll be as long till we see another project from him. Let's hope. I mean, it'd be nice. Yeah. A band that took a long time to get their most recent album, The Shins. It's been five years since they dropped. That's a long chunk of time. Heartworm. Yeah. And this album, very Shinsy. I mean, that's, that's kind of the way I can put it. It's, it's got a very popish vibe to it, but they're indie and they're very progressive as 
well. So it really pulls from a lot of different things. They have mm-hmm. a piano ballad, or not maybe not piano ballad, but they Just have like a piano driven song. They have a lot of different kind of sounds that they're experimenting with. The Shins are basically just James Mercer now, so he's the he's also a member of like Passion Pits, really just one guy these days. Basically, you know, Broken Bells is James Mercer in Danger Mouse. Mm-hmm. And James Mercer, I think he wanted to come back to this because the Shins are a really important band and the, he came up with the Shins. And he really talks a lot, a lot about how things have changed now for him in this mm-hmm. album. But he talks about his life, he talks about being a father. I mean, it really, the topics are kind of sprawling. It's a really interesting album. It's an easy listen. You can just throw it on, and I think it's like 40 minutes long. You can get Is the it. Shins saving rock? No. Like the Japan droids? The Japan droids <laughs> might, might save rock. The Shins are not... They're indie, if anything. I mean, you first heard them in Garden State, right? Yeah. So... Did you ever see Garden State? It's a good movie. Well, yeah, it's pretty good. Natalie yeah. Portman. Very young Natalie Shout Portman. out Natalie. Also, shout out Zach Braff. I feel like he doesn't do anything anymore. I'd uh, like to see him do a project. Yeah. <laughs> I like him. But yeah, check out the the Shins Heartworm. I'll probably tweet about it a little bit as I listen to it. At Nostalgia Pod. Nostalgia Pod. Also, follow us on YouTube. Share our YouTube page because we're trying to trying to become internet famous. Yeah, help us out that subscriber on YouTube. You can find the direct link to our YouTube channel at soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. That's also where you can find our iTunes. So throw us a review on there if you like what you're hearing. But so yeah, Dave, yeah. Samurai Jack. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> First of all, I had no idea Samurai Jack had his many episodes as it did. 52 episodes from 2001 to 2004. I was going to say, I, when you... T- texted me about this i was like <laughs> that was a show when i was a kid i thought and yeah on cartoon network yeah and then I, I was like maybe it's something i don't even know what dave's talking about <laughs> and now it's back came back on the 11th final season on adult <laughs> swim so it's got up reading a little bit final season t- 12 years later 12 years uh 13 years 13 later, years later. Oh, so, yeah. and in 2004 gendy tartakowski the famous animator he also did dexter's laboratory first before okay. he did jack and then he did a Star Wars Clone Wars, that micro-series that came out in between mm. episodes two and three. It was like two to three minute episodes of the, the Clone Wars, you know, right. before the last prequel had come out. And those were fantastic. But yeah, Samurai Jack is back. I actually didn't realize this. Alan Sepinwall and Matt Zoller-Zeitz in their book TV about the 100 greatest shows, mm-hmm. Jack has an honorable mention. Wow. Yeah. That's, that is really interesting. Because it has a really unique visual style. Yeah. As a show, and it really does hold up. So I, I didn't watch a lot of it. I just kind of watched it here and there. But yeah, dude, I actually it was checking. It did won four Emmys wow. in animation I categories. Had, I had no idea it was that, like, lauded. Yeah. Like, I always knew that a, a cult following, you know, like an Invader Zim kind oh, of sure. thing. Where people are like, ah, yeah. oh, cancel too soon, let's get it back. But I actually didn't really think this was on the table yet, but here it is. It's going to be on Adult Swim the next 10 weeks or so. Adult Swim secretly has a lot of really good cartoons that way. Isn't Rick and Morty on that as well? Mm-hmm. And people like ride ride for hard oh, for yeah. that show. Well, because now um the Toonami block is back as yeah. Adult Swim. And, I mean, they had Lawyer Squad from Mod Future back in the day. They actually do a lot of music stuff now. Very interesting yeah, they, little network, what was it, network thing they got going on there. Was it Diplo that made a cartoon on there? Uh, some, maybe. Some uh, DJ. And Aqua Teen, Hunger Force, a lot of stuff on that. Yeah, it's strange, but, I mean, cool. I mean, the more good television, the better. I mean, peak TV, peak TV, right? Oh, yeah. So, speaking of peak TV, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Got some news. Most peak. I mean, it's going to be coming back, what, July? Correct, so it's not eligible for the next Emmys. It will not be there at all, so. Nice little opening for other shows we like. What would you want to see when it's Game of Thrones? Robot. Mr. Robot. I I think Robot will For outstanding drama. Because uh, Americans ain't winning, so also getting uh, Carnivale. I mean, uh, Bobby Cannavale. Can, yeah, can, can joining Robot as a series regular, and B. Wong was up to a series regular, meaning you get more White Rose. White Rose, which is which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, B. D. Wong's been 
quietly probably the, the best part about this show mm-hmm. outside of... And that's not coming back till October, not in summer. Wow, so a lot of good taking TV time. taking time off. But right. That's probably good. Like, but Fargo's back earlier than we thought. That's coming back next April, month. April, right? Yeah, Man. not a fall show. And there's a lot April's of, insane. And Saul's also coming back. Better call Saul a ton of stuff, yeah. And everybody's saying this season of Saul, like everybody that's seen screeners has said that right. the first like four episodes are incredible. Well, uh, Gus Spring is... Gonna make his appearance for Breaking Bad. Can't I mean, wait. It, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> I gotta catch up on Saul. I didn't watch the second season yet. Waiting for that to come out on Netflix. I don't. I'll just binge I th- it. Are you sure it's not out already? I haven't checked. Actually. Or maybe I saw it on a list of it's coming soon. I mean, they Stop usually try to release a couple weeks before the, right. the new season premieres. But Game of Thrones also confirmed that there's only 13 more episodes. Mm-hmm. There's what's eight this season and five the following, or is uh, it seven and six? Seven and six. That's yeah. what it is. Well, Benioff and Weiss had remarked that they were going to have shorter seasons. It was right after last season ended, so we kind of knew that was coming, but it's official now. And they also said that Ed Sheeran, a favorite of Maisie, uh, Maisie Williams. Yeah, Arya. Apparently he's going to be on the show. Okay. Red hair, he could be anywhere, I guess. I mean, good for, good, good for <laughs> Ed Sheeran, Why? right? I mean, like, you get the acting credit. I mean... One of the best shows ever. Conor McGregor, there was, like, conflicting reports of if he was going to be... Uh, a wildling or a ironborn guy on a ship mm-hmm. and then some but people are like oh i have a speaking role I'm like, there's no way he has a speaking role that's stupid and neither will i cheer in but those be there like the walking dead actually kind of did this with famous people so. or, or like star wars craig yeah, yeah he, was, he was the stormtrooper storm just right. like little things like that it's just distracting more than anything i don't want to yeah. see ed sheeran in game of thrones right i don't even want to listen to his album most of the time no so no, we can add we, yeah, if you want to I'm not a fan of that, Long Division. <laughs> yeah, SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. And give us a, a rating and review on iTunes, please. Let's jump into something a little bit more serious, Bachelor. Oh, yeah, the most serious. We've neglected, love, man. We've neglected The Bachelor this season pretty much. I think we checked in maybe one time. Yeah, I wonder why. It's been a pretty terrible season. So you're you're a batch veteran. Yeah, I, I would say that. Long-standing member of Bachelor Nation, oh, card-carrying member. I've about like three or four years now. Right. So you you know how this goes. You've you've been around, and mm-hmm. you've also been around for all of Nick's long journey that they will never let us forget about. So how do you evaluate Nick Fial as a bachelor? Granted, he is there's special circumstances with him, but being the bachelor, he's been on TV a lot. Now mm-hmm. he's actually the bachelor himself. How do you do? I think he was probably the worst bachelor since Juan Pablo. And to know about Juan Pablo, he basically was seen as very crude <laughs> mm-hmm. and just basically an anti-feminist. He didn't really doesn't really respect women. Sounds like Chad. Yeah, kind of. From last year. Uh, just, he was just very unaware, kind of uh, d-bag in a way. And Nick isn't a d-bag. I mean, he's. I think he's just he's too. Nice. Yeah, he's just too concerned about his image. I feel. Yeah, like. he's been on TV for so long. It, it kind of makes sense. He's right. It's in its nature at this point. Yeah, and even like with with Rachel, so she was sent home last week. Right. According to this, which before we, the finale, which we knew was coming. Yeah, I mean she's already announced the Bachelorette. So I mean they would they wouldn't spoil the finale if she had advanced to the final two. There's no way. So right. Made sense. But the thing is, their like goodbye didn't even really seem that that meaningful. I mean mm-hmm. this is. One of the three people that you've spent the uh, most time with. I have another question. How many of these last handful of girls, even you know, around the final four, how many of them really think like Nick? Uh, or like they liked him, but do they really love him or were going to love him? You know what I'm saying? So the, this is a really interesting part about this. And that like I, Corinne actually was giving off the persona that she was really mm-hmm. into Nick. I don't know how much I bought that. She might be more <laughs> believable than the other ones, though. I, I think it's the kind of thing where when you're involved, when you're wrapped up in this world for as long as these girls are, and it's all you think about. Of course. 
course. You start to think, like, oh, I really do have such strong feelings for this person. I mean, they're, they're jacked up by their handlers yeah. every day mm-hmm. about it. So I think they think that they do. I don't know if they actually yeah, feel as sense. strongly as, as they do. Which is why I think a lot of times, like, when they, they get engaged, and then when you actually go live real life, it's like, oh. None okay. of them last. Yeah. How many bachelor couples I, last? Is two? I think there's been maybe, like, three, three or four. And one of them is Ben, which is still very new. Yeah, Ben and Lauren, Caitlin and Sean are still together. And I think there's two from before I was watching that are right. still involved. I mean, there's some from Bachelor in Paradise, like Jade and Tanner. They're expecting a child. I heard about that wedding yeah. a lot. It, yeah, they <laughs> mention it all the time. Evan and Carly, another one. So we're going to watch the finale right after we're done recording. What's your prediction? It, Who wins? It's 150% Vanessa Grimaldi. Is that really her last name? Yeah. I did not Italian know that. as fuck, dude. I mean, she looks Italian as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, she, she's probably going to win in the fantasy game because I'm so far behind and probably can't win at this point. I just threw Hail Mary so he doesn't pick anybody, which I could actually that was, see. That was a smart call. I mean, I could see him actually doing that only because him and Vanessa at this point, he's not right. going to pick Raven. That's not even no. an option. No. But it's, it's obvious. It's, it's Vanessa. So how do you feel about Nick picking Vanessa? We're just going to shoot well, our shot here. I, I really think he might say no, like either like give her the final rose and not propose because I think he doesn't want to go to Canada. <laughs> like, and she's pretty set that she's not coming to America. See, I, I think I think they do the propose. He does the proposal. Mm-hmm. Elaine Ring does the normal thing, right? And soon after this, you know, now that they can publicize their relationship, pretty soon Nick's gonna do Dancing with the Stars, and then Vanessa will be like, "Yo, I I'm not moving to L.A. after all. I'll stay in." Yeah, I guess he's Montreal. Like that. It's also doesn't. She also make... kind of wanted to move to L.A. If we checked her IMDb history, <laughs> right. you know. Aspiring actress and whatnot. She was already in a show. Blue Mountain State. Yeah, that's what it was. Blue Mountain State. Show people know. That's awesome. This is the second time, or maybe the third time. You can pretty much tell the winner pretty much at the beginning. Yeah, she she was the Jordan Rodgers of this season. Yeah, and before that, Caitlin and Sean, you pretty much knew right away Caitlin was going to pick Sean. Mm -hmm. This show really needs to switch it up, and I think... Rachel will be a really good bachelorette for that sure. because she seems to be very, she wants to take things slow, and she, but she's also like very demanding of a partner. Like she yeah. seems like she wants a lot out of them. She had the best conversations out of any of the girls with Nick. Absolutely. She got a lot out of Nick. And I think that that makes me excited more than anything is one, I think they, they found some really good people to go on Bachelor in Paradise. Corinne, Alexis, even Liz, uh, I think will Maybe. be fun to have Your there. Your girl Sarah, I think she'll come back. Sarah's got a lot of Instagram followers, yeah, man. I, I, th- I think she's she, she's, she's campaigning. She's so adorable. I, I think I think she will. Also, Chris Soule's reportedly going on Bachelor in Paradise. Would be the first former Bachelor oh, to be shit. on it. So that'll be interesting. Wow. But they also found a really great Bachelorette. So mm-hmm. even though this season's been really boring and they couldn't even get two hours out of the round of four and three, yeah, it's good for the show. Overall. Honestly, the season needed Corinne to carry yeah. it. I mean, not that it was the best that she dominated screen time, but... She, she's a first I mean, ballot Hall of Famer. Nick wasn't helping enough. <laughs> he's, he's just boring, like, and his stutter isn't really that yeah. endearing. It's just kind of like... Also, he's... His best conversation lines. Hey, how are you? What's up? <laughs> yeah, if you want to hear my thoughts on Nick's conversations, actually, in World Peace, I, I tweet about it almost every single week, <laughs> so... I don't know. What did you I, think of, like, the season overall? Were you as bored as I was with it? I did get a little disinterested as it was kind of going through the motions, because it was kind of clear that Raven, Rachel, and Vanessa were a top tier in some order. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, how far will Corinne go? And it came to the point where, oh, well, Corinne's going to go to the Final Four because no one had a chance to assert themselves. So, right. you know, Christina, she dropped her hammer 
too late, it didn't matter. It was easy to for- foresee. And then Vanessa, when she wins tonight, it's kind of the foregone conclusion. It's also, this season, like, the moments that kind of make The Bachelor fun, just those, like, little things that you can point and make fun of and laugh at, all seemed very produced. Sure. Alexis with the, the shark costume, you know, she thought the dolphin. is like, yeah. they gave her a shark costume and told her it was a dolphin. And, or, like, and that was also from the first episode. Right. You know, we didn't get anything else. R- running into Raven's brother as a cop. Oh, wow. That was... A, what, are, what are the odds? Right, exactly. <laughs> running into Nick's girlfriend when they went to Milwaukee. Like, right. That he had in high school. I haven't talked to him in a long time. But just standing right outside the window and talking about her. The show needs some fresh... Backstreet Boys, total flop. No need for them to be on the show. Although, I, I, I don't mind hearing Backstreet Boys anytime. I'll, I'll always welcome more I do want it that way. <laughs> so, I, I think... Rachel will provide a, a breath of fresh air for the franchise. Yeah, much needed, obviously. Yeah. So, Dave, we want to talk more TV, but we want to take a little intermission to ask you. You went to the movies this past weekend. Yeah. Who, who'd you go with, by the way? Any, did you go with friends or did you just go by yourself? Oh, no. As soon as I got back from Boston, I just went right to the movie theater. That's awesome. Yeah. And you saw Kong. Kong Skull Island. I mean, what did you think? It's fucking awesome. Really? Dude, it was really fun. <laughs> and it was really funny. Hiddleston. We gotta take a step back for a second. So, Pat, you haven't seen... Godzilla, smash hit from 2014 from Gareth Edwards, director of Rogue One, right? No. So you haven't seen that. So let's look back. So in 2014, Godzilla has post-kick-ass, pre-Golden Globes, Aaron Taylor Johnson kind of leading the show. You got Brian Cranston there as his dad. Mm-hmm. Ken Watanabe. You got David Schreheran from the Bourne movies. Good cast. The problem with that Godzilla movie, which I still really liked, was it was very serious. Dark tone, self-serious. And it's a monster movie. They are always serious. Of course, yeah, definitely. Totally believable monsters. Yeah, obviously right. they're serious. <laughs> but Godzilla didn't show up for a very long time. And when he mm-hmm. was around, he was barely in frame. Uh, he didn't really have his big moments to the very end. That rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But I still think it's a fun movie. It was a good setup, good origin story for this, you know, monster verse mm-hmm. they're creating. And it did really well. 93.2 million opening weekend here in the States, and then uh, 529 globally. So did well. Set the bar straight. And obviously, Gareth Edwards got his jump to an even bigger IP with Star Wars. So now we're at Kong Skull Island, and we're kind of like taking a step back with the director because it's directed by Jordan Vogt-Roberts, who has only two director credits, one of which is Nick Offerman, American Ham, the okay. comedy special, and his debut, Kings of Summer, which was a Sundance starling in 2013. So basically, he's, an, he's a newer, up-and-coming director. Mm-hmm. But then you have this crazy cast, which you see if you've seen in the trailers. Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson, John Goodman, John C. Riley, Samuel L. Jackson. Then we have Tony Kebbell, who I still want him to be in good flicks because he's bad in Fantastic Four, but he's awesome in Black Mirror. He's the guy with in the very first season oh. with the eye thing. Okay. Uh, when his, uh, was yep. his wife died or whatever. Yeah, when you can look back at the memories. Yes, that one. And his wife cheated on him. Yep. Gotcha. Then we have Corey Hawkins and Jason Mitchell, a.k.a. Dre and Eazy-E from Straight Outta Compton. Mm-hmm. And we also have uh, Shay w- Wigham from... Boardwalk Empire. We have Thomas Mann, who was the lead guy in Project X. So just a the, the nerd kid. Yes, yeah, so t- kids everywhere. John Ortiz. Kids everywhere. And that's actually my one problem with the movies. There's too many characters. Too uh-huh. many characters that just didn't need to be there. Not that they were bad or didn't. It's just you can't develop all those characters. Right. They don't really serve any purpose to the plot. But what I did like is that it's fun and the tone was not super serious. Mm-hmm. There's a nice levity, whether it's the musical cues or John C. Riley's character who they find on Skull Island, because you see this in the very beginning, it's not a spoiler, he crashed on the island in World War II. He was shot down. Gotcha. And he's been there ever since. Uh, Con Skull Island takes place right after the Vietnam War ends. 
Gotcha. That makes sense. He's really funny. What's What's the movie really about then? If you think about it, when when you think about a monster movie, it's kind of about that big reveal. Like, of course. There's this impending doom, and then how are we going to stop this huge monster? Right, and that's what's so good about it is that Kong shows up early. Uh, they get to the island within like the first you know first half hour. They get to the before the first act's even over. Basically, they're going there on the geese of tracking this new uncharted terrain. John Goodman's leading a science department. They get Samuel Jackson and some of the other guys like they're the military escort. That's basically the backdrop. Not really important. What is important is that Kong shows up early and he fucks mm-hmm. shit up. Effects are great, <laughs> obviously. It is mo-capped. It's also beautiful. It was sh- shot on location in Vietnam. Oh, wow. So, like, the, awesome. there's tons of various jungle settings as they're, mm-hmm. they get, obviously, they get split up and they're going around the island doing cool things, running from all these crazy monsters. Yeah, I think the, the my main takeaway is that it's just fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously. I think Kong, the Kong moments are good. So what, are they trying to stop Kong? Is that the goal? Well, no, uh, most of them didn't know Kong was there. Just John Goodman, as it turns out. Hmm. So what, was he trying to stop him, or what was the... Uh, trying to prove that monsters were existing. Oh, well, I, like I think that actually helps, then, to the yeah. tone of the movie, because if it's about that impending doom and you're going to an it's not it's not just city destruction because we're on this exactly right that that takes away a lot of stakes Mm -hmm. it gets to kind of be more of like a lighthearted, even maybe even a character driven movie in a way and everything i've I've heard around is that john c Riley actually steals the show he does no he the the thing about it is there's so many characters but there's also no clear lead we have hiddleston and brie larson who they're together most of the film but none of neither one really steps up Mm -hmm. the way the script goes samuel jackson is almost an antagonist in a way. Then How John, fast did he die? None of these guys I mentioned died fast. Oh, There's a lot of other characters that die early Samuel L. Jackson dies in like every movie, though. Right, it's usually his thing. Uh, but then John C. Riley, once he shows up, he really commands the screen and kind of, apparently he ad-libbed most of his role, which, <laughs> which is great, yeah. I mean, that, that's it, one of like the really, really cool things about getting seasoned actors like that mm-hmm. is you can kind of just give them like the premise of a character. Like yeah. a crazy World War II guy has been stuck on this island worshipping a monkey for yeah. <laughs> years and how how would he be and then John C. Riley just runs with that and there's this scene towards the end where Tom Hiddleston has this ridiculous action scene I don't want to spoil it but it's just badass. You, you, it's badass you'll either laugh at it or you'll <laughs> think it was freaking awesome either way it worked for me Jason Mitchell who was easy he's straight comic relief mm-hmm. Corey Hawkins doesn't have enough lines in my opinion like I said there's a little too many characters, but there's this one recurring, recurring joke. Yeah, bit. It's almost like a cliche at the end, but Tony Kebble is one of the soldiers, and he's writing a letter to his son, and he keeps going. Uh, he has the son drawing like, "Dear Billy," and then, <laughs> you know, writing, writing a letter, and then all the other uh, characters throughout the film, from Act One to Act Three, whenever they're like, "Oh shit, we're so fucked," he's like, "Dear Billy, run from giant spiders," <laughs> like just shit <laughs> like that. And like, yeah, it's stupid. Like the script isn't amazing, but it works for me. I that, think it's I think it's a fun movie. That's great, and I, I think we need more fun movies that aren't as serious, right. especially when it comes to like monster movies and things like that. And that's the thing: this monster verse they're creating, we're setting up Godzilla versus Kong in 2020. For that, we get the sequel to 2014 Godzilla called Godzilla King of the Monsters. It's gonna start filming this June. Comes out March 2019. Mm-hmm. Lead Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. Fucking Eleven is gonna be in a Godzilla movie. Wow. Alongside Vera Farmiga and Kyle Chandler. Interesting. They're that's, going that's for it. That's really dude. interesting. <laughs> going for it. Well, we'll definitely fun we'll Definitely be talking more about that. I think it'd also be interesting, maybe moving forward with like Marvel and DC mm-hmm. releasing projects this year and talking about them building the MonsterVerse. Yeah. Talking just about the idea of 
movies always being part of something bigger. You know, IP. And, and it, just talking about how that affects the way movies and, and TV are made now. Mm-hmm. And that actually leads kind of into Legion, which yeah. I wanted to, uh, we wanted to touch on a bunch of, of TV that we've neglected based on our Oscars and then music coverage last week. Right. Um, Got out if you missed it. SoundCloud.com slash Nostalgia Pod. Stay plugging. And YouTube. Yeah, so Legion, I mean, it's been fantastic. Noah Hawley has delivered on this. He's awesome. And it's really cool to tune in. So I, I never saw Twin Peaks, but everybody said it was really like, it's a, psych, a psychological thriller. I'm trying to watch Twin Peaks before the new new Twin Peaks comes out. Uh, it comes out, what, this summer, I think, right? June. June. So you got a couple months to, to catch up on that. But And everything else so much. From what, people, from what people talk about, this is probably the closest show to Twin Peaks, just in terms of, it's all psychological. Almost mm-hmm. all of this is about a Legion or... Um, Inside his head. Yeah, it's it's David Haller and w- the demons he's fighting and what's actually going on with him. And every episode is like a different style. Mm-hmm. It's kind of incredible. It's almost like watching Breaking Bad, how you could tell like this episode is done by a different director just yeah, based on the right. shots and like sure. the, the Thrones kind of does that too. Yeah, Thrones definitely does that. But, I mean, it's almost like every single episode, even though I think they're all shot by Holly, mm-hmm. are different i know you you haven't you're not all the way caught up but right. what are your thoughts so far and what stood out to you i think the, the thing that by far and away stands out to me is that legion if you didn't know it had any superhero pretense wouldn't be a superhero show yeah it'd just be a show absolutely it's almost it's almost kind of like inception in a way yeah like it, it really just kind of goes deeper and deeper into like what unreliable really... narrator yep. non-linearity mm-hmm. what's real what's not We've seen it before, We've seen it in Memento, We've seen it in Robots, We've seen it in Fight Club. We'll see it again because when it's done right, it's freaking fantastic. Yeah, and even thinking about like the scope of the show, I think sometimes we say like things bite off too big. Like the scope of Game of Thrones, just by necessity, is enormous. Right. That also has a source material. It's not right. original. Exactly. But when you think about shows like taking on too much, it's like okay, so you have to develop this character who you spent such little time with, and you sure. have to devote all this other time to take it away. You're just talking about too many characters. This keeps it really small. There's basically three four yeah. characters that they're really trying to get into it seems like it's it's sid it's david and then a little bit of gene smart's character dr yeah. melanie bird those seem to be like like the three that they're really going to build around mm-hmm. but also shout out to uh, bill Irwin, who is like the doctor at, at yes. the place and he really mm-hmm. takes care of trying to figure out like the psychological part of david he unsuccessfully is, yeah but he has this, this one scene and uh, i think it was two of uh, the third episode where or maybe, no it was last week it was the fourth episode where he was fighting but he has like a his power is that he has like a inner girl that can go fight for him inside <laughs> like david's mind mm-hmm. and but he's acting out all the fighting and like taking all the punches on his own like sweeping That's the floor so it was a, an amazing <laughs> scene so there's a lot of really really great things with legion noah holly man i mean he's just a master absolutely it's so can't wait for, for fargo season three too absolutely i mean legion will end and then fargo will come out i think a week or two after that, that's that's perfect fx on fire just no holly on tv constantly yeah. i don't i don't hate that at all tell me about taboo though dave because it seems like I, not, I i was out on taboo pretty early not much to say really eight episodes in the book for taboo fx did not kill it with this one unfortunately just because there wasn't much of a payoff just the plot wasn't that great and it was visually interesting i thought it looked cool brought you back to the 19th century that was cool i guess but it just wasn't interesting there's was a lot of loose angles that they would introduce about tom hardy's character james delaney and they would either throw him away after an episode or they would wouldn't go anywhere some it was supposed to be miniseries now it's not it's been right. renewed Why would but they give it a season but two? here's the thing episode eight ends and it does not feel like there's any finality to it at all it ends as if a second season was assumed 
Huh. And I didn't like where it ended. I didn't think it was that great. So I'm probably not gonna. I'm not gonna keep watching. Yeah, I was out pretty early. I, it just didn't seem to fit for what my interests are in watching yeah. TV. But yeah, the, the second season doesn't. I didn't hear a lot of really good things about Taboo at all. No. I mean, other than maybe the watch doing ridiculous letters from Taboo Island and just right. highlighting the weirdest parts of the show. Yeah. You just have to be in on Taboo. You have to just accept it for what it is. And it's not that. It's overly bad. It's just not mm-hmm. that interesting or that cool at the end of the day. Tom Hardy, I said this on Passpod, he needs to do something upbeat. Right. Like he really needs to go be super charming. Even in in the new in Dunkirk coming out, it looks like he's going to be a fighter fighter pilot, mm. but who also looks muffled. Yeah, muffled or something <laughs> over his mouth. But then also he's going to be probably like super brooding and like fighting all these demons. And it's like, all right, man. Like, yeah. I, I just need you to go. It, that's the thing with Taboo, Dunkirk. though. The demon angle is not. There's no end to that just doesn't make sense how it comes in and goes away Tom Hardy. P- poor execution uh, it's a miss for sure go be james bond tom hardy please just go be james bond and yeah. give me some some fun tom hardy and i'm the same thing with taboo again it's not terrible it's just not that interesting something that's maybe not that interesting story-wise but interesting world-wise is big little lies mm. so i know that you have low-key hit on hbo yet. yeah but it's that's also a miniseries yeah, it's also based on some source material. I think it's a book, right? Yeah, it's a book. It's It's been really interesting. I mean, it stars Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, uh, Laura Dern. Shalene Woodley. Yep. Um, Skarsgård, Adam Scott. Zoe Kravitz. Yep. It's got a lot of... A lot of talent. Lot, yeah, a lot of talent in there. The world is just interesting. It's it's very rich California, basically like Tech Valley. Bad and bougie. Type of shit. And the overall arc is there's a murder that they're trying to mm. figure out where it came, like, right. what happened. But pretty much it's just about the relationships between these people and how ridiculous they are. And mm-hmm. it's a fun watch. It's also, if you really like houses and like scenic kind of things, it's right. really beautiful in that sense. Right, landscapes. Yeah, like uh, it's kitchen porn or like house porn type sure. of thing. So check that out. Yeah. Well, that's the that's like the premier HBO Sunday show at the moment. Post yeah. Young Pope. Yeah, Post Young Pope. And I, I don't know if they have anything lined up after this before Game of Thrones. Well, Game Thrones is later. Uh, well, I think Silicon Valley and Veep will come back before Thrones. Yeah, they, they can hold the, the title. I mean, HBO's kind of killing it right now. Girls in, is in its final season. Yep. It had Riz Ahmed in the first episode, who, spoiler alert, so skip ahead 10 seconds, gets Lena Dunham pregnant. Nice. So I'm hoping he'll be coming back at some point. That'd be great. But it also had Matt Reese from The American. Oh, in, really? Uh, an episode More Interesting. As a, a writer that Hannah confronts. But it's really just, it's nice because my, my biggest problem with girls was it was really hard to like the characters because they make such ridiculous... It didn't make sense that they liked each other yeah. after all that time? Yeah, and like they make the most ridiculous childish decisions mm-hmm. and then like just somehow stay friends. And they don't have any other friends? Right, exactly, but... <laughs> a few, a few uh, gaps in logic. Eventually, like, some, somewhere, Lena Dunham was like, oh, it's our last season, these people have to mature and start to, like, find themselves. So it's really nice to, like, that's see great. some actual character development in a way that is, mm-hmm. like, heartwarming. So that that's really cool. Crashing is really good. Pete Holmes, I don't find him very funny, but he, like, hangs out with, like, T.J. Miller, hangs out with Hamilton Burst in the last one. Also funny. So was Artie Lang in the first one. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of really funny people around it, and it, it kind of puts a lot of shine onto them. So that, that's really fun comedy on HBO. And then Love came back Saturday. Judd Apatow. Yeah, Judd Apatow show. Paul Russ, Jillian Jacobs. That's on Netflix, right? On Netflix. Yeah. Watched eight of the ten episodes, binged it this weekend with my girlfriend, and it's a lot better than season one. I didn't like season yeah, one. Yeah, remember you you didn't that was one of the first things we talked about at Sunkana.com slash nostalgia pod. Yeah, check out those old ones. See see how far we've come, please. Hashtag growth. Yeah. Hashtag gains. Right. But what I like more about this season is they're taking the 
characters on the fringes. So like mm-hmm. Jillian Jacobs' uh, roommate, Paul Russ' friend, and they're giving them backstories and letting, letting them develop and mm-hmm. looking a little bit deeper at like the characters actually. So it's it's actually like a pretty nice watch, and I feel like I can empathize with them a little bit cool. more. So definitely worth checking out if if you got to the first season. Mm-hmm. Check out the second season. If not, I don't blame you. First season wasn't great. Anything else that you wanted to touch on TV wise? I mean, I know you've been busy with other endeavors like video games and whatnot. Marvel's Iron Fist comes out Friday, same day Beauty and the Beast comes out, mm-hmm. and Iron Fist is actually getting uh, kind of poor reviews, middling reviews. The oh, first uh, Netflix Marvel Netflix season did not be well received. Huh. It's being this obviously I haven't seen it. Yet, it's not out. It's being described kind of like as a step backwards, whereas each other show kind of pushed things forward. So yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that's only. Those are advanced reviews, so it's not the whole season. Right. And then Finn Jones, the lead, you know, Loris Terrell from Game of Thrones, he did say that if you're a Marvel a fan of the shows, you will like it. So maybe the, the first few didn't sit well with critics, but yeah. interesting storyline at this moment. Definitely. A note I, I forgot to mention with Legion, and this kind of ties in with mm-hmm. Iron Fist, there's a, another X-Men show coming on FX called Gifted, yeah. uh, which is supposed to be pretty interesting as well. They've gotten some... some uh, great casting with that Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of exciting stuff iron fist will be interesting i I wonder if uh people are not going to watch it based on the critics review i mean yeah i I think it'll it'll do fine and it is tying into the defender show so it's like iron fist will be going away we will see him again when they all team up netflix is such a machine man yeah i mean like basically every time i sign in it's like a new show that they're putting out Mm -hmm. like the last one had the guy who plays better plays Saul and better call Saul. Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, Bob Odenkirk had a, had a show on there that yeah. just like wasn't even known. Well, last thing with Netflix now, as you'll notice, they don't have a whole lot of they don't have a lot of rights to move as many movies anymore yep. because they invest most of their money in original programming because it's stuff that they 100% own and can control. Right. Uh, I guess it makes sense. I mean, it's such a content factory now, and not everything needs to hit. So you just need a making the murder once in a while or Stranger Things, and then those shows literally drive millions of subscribers. Yeah. So Netflix is fascinating. It's also... In, now they're getting Oscars. Yeah, and hearing you talk about kind of like when, the timeline of when things coming out, like you mentioned, it's basically Saul and Fargo. Yep. And then it goes, June is probably what you said June was, but then it's Game of Thrones. And then, Deep in Silicon Valley. Yeah, Deep in Silicon Valley, then it's Thrones, and then it's Stranger Things and... and Robot. Robot in the fall. I mean, the year Doesn't stop. No, never stops. Peak TV. It's impossible is, to catch up on anything that's not currently on. Just don't have time. <laughs> peak TV Sucks. is so peak right now. Yeah, and so John, peak. we didn't even mention John Oliver, but... He's just amazing every week. Right. I, I, don't, I hear Trevor Noah's doing a lot better. I don't really keep up the late night, but John Oliver, you need to keep up with. I haven't seen it yet, but there's a special out on HBO from Jared Carmichael. Really? Yes. Jared Carmichael. Gerard. Gerard, is it Gerard? Gerard Carmichael. Gerard Carmichael. Yeah, it's the Carmichael show, which is similar to a blackish, mm-hmm. where it plays with race as a sitcom in smart, uh, original ways. But you might remember him from Neighbors. He was the one of the guys with Efron and mm-hmm. Dave Franco. He was one of the funniest parts. He was the one who they did the, uh, what's it called? The, uh, dildo uh, mold. Yeah, the printing. Yeah, 3D printing. 3, 3D printing the dildos, but his dick wasn't hard. Yeah. And he also <laughs> hadn't shaved. So he was that guy. He had a, he had a few really like great little moments. Well, yeah, but he's actually like a really smart comic. Yeah, he's a great comic. Also, it just a, the best my favorite part of the movie is when Hamill Burst fucks with him when he's yeah. like wicked high outside the party. <laughs> That's like by far my favorite yeah. part. Makes him like Neighbors is a fantastic like, comedy. He. Uh, Neighbors, I think that's going to age well. It's going to be like yeah, super bad so. and like, except for other stuff like right. that. Just really age like well. A movie like that, 
where Efron does shine so bright is why I'm excited for Baywatch. With I was just about to say that, like, because that's two guys that shine. They just light up the screen, you know. It's gonna be that. That's gonna be a great one. But yeah, Gerard Carmichael. He's a special on HBO. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, I also watched a, a documentary called Eagles of Death Metal. They were the band mm-hmm. that was on stage during the Paris attacks. Oh, um, right. And they did a documentary following them. I mean, the cool thing about them, I didn't know this. The drummer of that band is the lead singer of Queens of the Stone Age, and that's how they actually started, wow. was he kind of found his friend from high school who wanted to get into music and made mm-hmm. him a lead singer. But it's a really moving documentary, definitely worth checking out. Also, all the Batmans uh, are on there, like the ones from like the 80s and 90s. Oh, um, right. And also, The Killing Joke is on there. I watched that. Very good. Oh, that just so, came out. They made one? Yeah. So, right. A lot of really good stuff on HBO. I mean, they just kill it all the time. Uh, South by Southwest is happening right now. And ah, true. great buzz for the Disaster Artist movie from James Franco. We're talking Oscar buzz. It got a that standing Franco. ovation already. Is that the one that was shot in Albany? Check that. Hmm. Also, we got a tra- uh, the Disaster Artist. We also got a trailer for Baby Driver, the new movie from Edgar Wright, who's an awesome director. That comes out in August. And advanced reviews, because they showed it at South by... Answer reviews are excellent. This has Kevin Spacey, Ansel Elgort, Jamie Foxx, John Bernthal, John Hamm, a few other people. Looks great, and the reviews say it's great. So I'm excited for that. I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff coming out. Beauty and the Beast comes out next week. We'll yeah. be talking about that. Uh, absolutely. Content, man. What a time to be alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that, that, that Drake album's going to drop anytime. More life sometime. It's coming. It does exist. <laughs> the limit does not exist. Hopefully that, that does not exist. But anyways, if you want to hear about all these upcoming things, subscribe to our YouTube page. Share yes. it with friends. Follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. What else am I forgetting? That's all you need. It's fine. Use, use what... It, if it's not a pod service... That you like, it's on there. But go to soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod because that's where you'll find a direct link for iTunes and direct link for YouTube. Help us out with YouTube subscription, please. Big help. All you need is a Gmail account. Yeah, and tweet at the show at nostalgiapod. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Right. And if you like Iron Fist, don't like Iron Fist, let us know what's good with that. Beauty and the Beast. Excited. Yeah, and follow us for live tweeting most... Uh, most events like The Bachelor, award shows, mm-hmm. anything that's really worth watching on yeah. TV. And if we're not tweeting about it, tell us that we should be. Let yeah. us know. Exactly. All right. We'll see you next week. All my